0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. As we continue our series on authentic faith, as we look at all that he's trying to, to tell us, I wanted to just begin uh, briefly by, by, by reviewing kind of where we've come through First John as uh, Adam has been walking us through this book. In chapter 1 we read, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, we're supposed to live like He's actually changed our life. If we're going to have authentic faith, then there's not going to be darkness still in our life. We're not going to be still continuing down paths of darkness that that we're going to be pursuing Him. In chapter 2 we read, "...and by this we know we've come to know Him." If we keep his commands. If we're going to have authentic faith. Then, then we're going to be keeping all the commands of this book. We're going to be searching this out. And, and living like he's already changed our life. Like following the book. And following his instruction. Acknowledging that what he has for us is best. In chapter 3 we read. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. In other words, His love should so overwhelm us that it overflows into everyone's life that we come into contact with. The basis of how we respond to other people will be measured by the fact of the amount of love that we've received from Him. Look with me at verse 24 of chapter 3. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that He abides in us, by the Spirit whom He has given us. This is the way that we know that God abides in us and that we abide in God, by the Spirit which He has given us. The reality is, is that, that we have the Spirit of God, and that, test, that, that leads us into testing the spirits, which is what our passage is this morning. Continuing on in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, our passage is 1 through 6. And you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth. And the spirit of error. If we're going to. Walk through this passage, the first thing that we see in this passage is a command for us to test. A command for us to test the spirits. Verse 1 says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. John's warning the church here for us to be careful, for us not to be naive and believe anything that's spoken in front of us. Throughout scripture we're told over and over that we need to be careful, that we need to, to be aware 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from what is evil. Ephesians 4 says, So that we may no longer be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Ephesians 5 tells us, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We're commanded to test the spirits. We're, we're told to see what's real and what's false. Back in the 1800s, the California gold rush happened and, and everybody rushed out there because people were finding gold and they wanted a part of that. And during that time, a statement was coined, not everything that glitters is gold. And the reason that statement came about was there's people who were looking for gold and they found rocks that had color on them and they assumed that they had found gold. It looked like gold. It felt like gold. It was where the other people found gold. So they made the assumption that it was gold. But in fact, it wasn't. You know, I have kids and and so assumptions are a big deal in our house. Right now, if I told my kids if they would be really still in church that there would be a circus in the parking lot, they would believe me. They would sit like statues because they would believe there's an elephant out there. You know, when we go to the store, they find a toy and, and they look at it and they believe everything they see on the package. I don't know if, if maybe I'm the only one here, but they, they got a little rocket and it had a picture of a moon. And he's, Dad, this thing will all go all the way to the moon. If you'll just buy this for me, it can go to the moon. Son, that's a $1.99. It's not going to go to the roof. It's not going to make it. <laughs> yes, it is. It's got the picture. I'm telling you, it's going to go. You know, we, we hear things and we see things and we, we, we've we got to be able to discern whether they're real Or whether they're not. And and, and what we see here is a command for us to test whether things are real or whether they're not. My mind goes back to Genesis chapter 1. Adam and Eve in the garden. Hanging out with God. All is well in the world. Nothing's wrong. No sin. No problems. And a serpent comes along and begins to talk about God. Begins to quote God. Begins to say what God said. And even begins to say what God must have really meant. And it all sounded good. It all sounded of God. But we all know that that was not a spirit of truth, was it? If only Adam and Eve would have recognized the difference in what they were hearing. And then they would have made the mistake that they made. This passage we see that we're to test every spirit. But we also see the reason that we've got to test. The reason is because there's falsehood out there. We're surrounded by falsehood. In our country today, we hear things over and over and over that aren't true. In verse 2, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you've heard is coming and is now in the world already. The reason that we have to test the spirits is because there are false prophets. There are those who are saying things that are false. They may sound Christian, they may look Christian, but that does not mean that they are of the Lord. And we've got to be careful. Truth mixed with error is far more destructive than straightforward contradiction to the truth. If it was completely opposed to God, then we would recognize it immediately. But Satan disguises himself As an angel of light. And his servants disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Those who trust everything they read. Even if it's from a Christian bookstore. Or everything they hear. Are opening themselves up for doctrinal deception. And we've got to know what the book says. And what the word says. Jesus warned us that there's going to be false prophets. There are going to be those who say things that are not true. Matthew 7 says. Beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly. Are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits... ...or grapes gathered from thorn bushes... ...or figs from thistles. Every healthy tree bears good fruit... ...but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. We read in Mark chapter 13... ...if anyone says, look, here's the Christ... ...or look, there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets... ...will arise and perform signs and wonders... ...to lead you astray, if possible. Be on your guard. I've told you this beforehand... We read in Second Peter, for false prophets also arose among you, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies and deny the master who brought them. So here John is telling us we've got to test the spirits. The reason is because there's false prophets, there's false teaching. There's people who would take a verse and make it sound like something that's really good, just like the serpent took something that the Lord did say and made it sound differently. John tells us two different things, in the, two, the same thing in two different ways. Positively, he says, every person who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Negatively, he says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. If it was only that easy, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, okay, I'll listen to you. Do you believe in Jesus? No. Then I won't listen to you. That would be very simple for us if that was the only decision that we have to make. But unfortunately, there are plenty of people who say they believe in Jesus, but don't believe in the gospel, the Jesus of the Bible, the, the whole story. And as I look at verse 2, when I was studying, what I kept coming back to is the statement that says, confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Why did he put that Jesus came In the flesh. Why was that important enough to make it into this passage? Because it addresses the gospel. Because it brings to the fact that Jesus was God, that Jesus came in the flesh, that Jesus was the Lord. And He came to bear our sins. You see, those who deny that Jesus was really God or that deny that He came in the flesh deny the gospel. Then the truth's not in them. There are people who say He was just a good man. There are people who say that, that he, he didn't really have to go through the punishment. There were people who say and take things away from the gospel. There are Christians. There are churches that gather that look much like us. They have pews. They have worship. They have Bibles. They sing. And yet, when the teaching is done they deny the gospel because it, it has things in it that are very difficult for us to put into life. There's a church that started a, a just meeting at a school and, and grew to over 10,000 people and, and the things that, that we're saying all sounded really good. It was kind of like the serpent. It sounded good at the time. And then years later to find out that the pastor didn't believe that that there would ever be punishment. The pastor didn't believe that there would ever be hell. The pastor didn't believe that always didn't go to heaven. The pastor didn't believe as long as you were happy that God would be happy with you. That's not true. That's false. And it doesn't line up with Scripture. And we've got to be really careful to test what we hear and to understand what we believe and whom we listen to, whether they're taking God's word and mean it. This morning, Adam is. Preaching at the church where he was baptized, and an awesome opportunity for him to go back and be used of the Lord in the very place where he began his Christian journey. And I just want a side note this morning, want to say how blessed we are to have a pastor that believes the entire Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, and stands in this pulpit week after week, and teaches us the truth. It is a gift, it is something that we don't need as a church to take for granted. And he would, he'd be very upset with me, but he shouldn't have given me a microphone. I want to tell y'all, I watch our pastor and, and, and the burden of him shepherding this flock. We need to be praying for our pastor and we need to be encouraging our pastor because he is walking with God and he is leading this church. So with that being said... We still have to list, check what we're, we're listening to. We still need to, whether it's coming from this pulpit or whether we're hearing it in Sunday school or whether we're hearing it at the coffee shop or whether we're hearing it at the office or whether it's just sitting around with our family, we have to know what we're hearing and we have to discern whether it's of the Lord or if it's not. We've got to know if it's real, if it lines up with Scripture, and if it's truth. We've seen the command to test, and we've seen the reason to test. Now, let's look at how we test. Very practically, how do we do this? I mean, we're sitting and saying we've got to be careful even when we hear people opening God's Word. That's kind of scary. What do we do with that? You know, all of this talk about testing and all of this studying the Scripture this week. Um, the, the kids had the CRCT last week, and, and and that was a pretty intensive thing. We're, we're new to Georgia. This was our first time with the CRCT. But our kids came home from, from school with notes from their parents that said, we don't even have homework. we got to go to bed. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to bed. <laughs> Just go do that. <laughs> this is going to be good. No, we've got to have a good breakfast. Wait a minute, your mom doesn't cook breakfast. What are we going to do about that? I mean, there, there was all, these, all of this stress going on. And my kid came home and he said, I may not make it to the fourth grade. I may have to go to summer school. What if I don't get to go to Rock Ridge? It's going to be okay, son. It's going to be okay. Don't stress out. But, but, you know, the school had an, had an assembly. They canceled classes, and all the kids came into the auditorium much like this. And, and the principal had a song that he made up about how to go to sleep at night and how to eat good food and how to make sure you circle the right bubble and, and get the right answer and rule out the wrong answers. And, and it was real interesting to me all that went in so that they would pass the CRCT. But in, in essence, that's what John is telling us. Here. As followers of Christ, we need to make sure that we rule out the wrong answers, that we discern what is not true and we pick what is right. And as believers, we've got to be able to do that. And the first way for us to pass this test is for us to know the gospel. The first way for us to be able to discern what is right and what is error is for us to understand and know the gospel. That's not just to say that Jesus loves me and he wants me to be in heaven. That is true. But there's so much more to the gospel than that one small part. We've got to know the entirety of the gospel and everything that's taught in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that builds on itself and is redemptive to show God's glory and to bring us to himself. Verse 2 of chapter 4 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. See John goes back to in the flesh here the fact that Jesus was God and came to earth in the flesh reveals a lot to us about his love, but it also reveals the truth of his wrath and his punishment for the wages of sin was death and somebody had to pay that price. And the the truth is is that he came to pay that price. And so this morning I want to walk through a whole bunch of statements that that kind of outline the gospel for us because if the gospel just means that I get to go to heaven, then I, we're missing it. Yes, I get to go to heaven, but that's only one part of the puzzle that helps me understand what God is doing and how he wants to work in situations. For all have sinned, every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't, I don't sit and, and, and think about that as much as I should. I'm real quick to go on and say God died on the cross for my sins and they're all gone. Sin separates us from a holy God. We think of Adam hiding behind the bushes and God says, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? Who told you that you were naked? Because sin had separated from God and all of a sudden that sin had, had put him in a place to where he wasn't enjoying fellowship with God. The wages of sin is death and that is what we all deserved. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The truth of that verse should rattle us to the core. God came to earth in the flesh and he lived this sinless life. And he faced Calvary and he knew what was going to happen there. But he went there anyway because he wanted to purchase us from our sin and from our rebellion. And he died on that cross, the ultimate sacrifice. In our place condemned he stood. The rest of this story that he was buried and three days later roved from the grave. He ascended into the heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father is amazing. And it's a truth that one day we're going to be in heaven with him. The truth that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And we're promised that if we confess and believe that we will be saved... But salvation was not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. Salvation was not something that was just handed... Yes, it was free to us. We didn't pay for it. But the price of salvation was dear. Look at the cross and look at Christ and all that He did. And we can't say that that was free. He saved us to change us and to use us and to conform us into the likeness of His Son. And He has a plan for us. The Gospel says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus those of us sitting in this room and we hear about the gospel and we know that we've sinned, there's no condemnation for us because Christ took that on the cross. But all of this adds up the whole of the gospel and how we live and interact with those around us. How does the gospel help us when, when we're trying to follow the commands of Scripture, when we're trying to love each other, when we're trying to reach others for Christ or serve others or die to self. We can't do any of those things if we don't understand the fullness of the gospel and all that he has for us. Years ago, a friend of mine, we had several mutual friends, and one of my friends made a, a, a horrible decision and sinned, and, and in his rebellion, quit going to church and quit talking to anybody who knew the Lord and, and, and traveled off in, in rebellion. It was very heartbreaking for for us to sit and watch him make horrible decisions in his life. And we prayed for him and we tried to encourage him, but he persisted. And literally years later, just a couple of months ago, I got a phone call. And he said, God got hold of me and I know that everything I've done has been in my pride and my rebellion. And I've confessed that to the Lord And I'm right with God. And I'm taking my family back to church. My kids to church for the very first time. And I'm praying that they will find Christ. This morning he's in church with his family. Trying to lead his family in the ways of the Lord. Now, I'll tell you that story to say I called up our other buddy that had been praying for him. And I said you're not going to believe this. Guess who prayed and, and turned back to the Lord. Guess who repented of their sins and has been welcomed back into the family. Guess who has right relationship with God. And his response to me was, oh, I gave up on him a long time ago. I doubt it's even real. He's probably just playing a game. And he hung up the phone. Can I tell you that that was a false prophet? That that was not the spirit of truth? How can we give up when God says he's going to finish the work and see it through to completion to bring himself glory? He didn't give up on my friend. He gave up on the God who sent his son to die on the cross for us. We've got to, in every situation of our life, listen in view of the gospel. Now, my buddy sinned, and he was apart from God, but God didn't give up on him. And there was a bigger story here that God wanted to redeem that situation and use it for his glory. And we're surrounded every day. Every one of us are surrounded with situations that we've got to look at them in view of the gospel. I was riding in the car yesterday with my kids, and I won't tell you the long story, but what we learned in the car yesterday was that my kids are sinful. (sighs) And there was a moment that I looked over at my nine-year-old, nine, yeah, nine-year-old, and I said, you need to know that that's sin in your life. (laughs) And he just looked at me like, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) But it was true. (laughs) And in light of the gospel, he needed to know In that moment. That he was wrong. And we've got to be able to sift through life looking at the gospel. If we're going to pass the test. And if we're going to understand what's false and what is true. We're going to need to have the gospel. The second way for us to pass this test is to know whose we are. To know who we are. Better yet to say to know whose we are. Because he starts out in verse 4 saying little children you are from God. And have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. What a great promise to call us little children. We're part of the family of God. You see, apart from the gospel, we'll miss this. But the gospel says that we were purchased by God. That we were, he redeemed our life from sin and he adopted us into the family. Jesus is our stepbrother and God is our father. We're part of the family of God. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them. For he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I go back to the passage in Isaiah 43. There was a song that we used to sing that that outlined this verse. And it means so much. For now, thus says the Lord. The one who created you and the one who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And in light of the fact that I'm a child of the king. In light of the fact that I am his. I can look at the rest of this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And when we take the gospel and we take the fact that we are His, then we're ready and prepared for the attacks and the battles that are going to come our way as Christians. This verse is that you are from God and you've overcome them. The reality is because we are God's, He's overcome the world and we are His. And we're riding on His coattails in this story. But we continue to look at verse 4 and He says, For He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I love that. He that is living within you is greater than he that is in the world. That's the gospel because of salvation, the Lord says, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you the spirit of God. And it's going to live within you. That's Jesus saying, I'm going away, but take heart. When I leave, I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, to lead God and direct you to be there for you. God's given us his spirit to help us in this journey to understand what there is before us. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit and I'll put within you and I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What a promise that we have the spirit of God living within us. Because of the gospel, we have God living in us. But I want to caution us this morning. The Spirit of God is living there to, to lead us and guide us and help us. But I'm afraid that we crowd out His voice in our life with so many other things. We, get, we, we are drowning out the, the voice of the Spirit of God within us with all of our other pursuits. And we've got to pause long enough to hear what He wants for us. Little children, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. I'm reminded of the story of David and Goliath. Goliath stands there big and strong and invincible. Nobody can touch him. There's no way that this can happen. And no and, and, and one knows what to do. Who's going to go out and fight him? Everyone's afraid. David's older brothers are afraid. And Dad sends him with some snacks and says, Go check on the boys and find out how things are going with the battle. And David shows up and he hears Goliath mocking the people of God. He says, who is this man that would defy the armies of the living God? I don't understand. Our God is so big. Why are we standing here? And they took him aside and they said, oh, little David, you don't understand. Oh, you're just bigger than this. You just, you just need to go back. Don't. This is bigger than us. You, just, you don't get it. Again, that voice of reason that might not be the voice of God. made perfect sense that David couldn't do anything that day. But David said the Lord deliver me from the lion and he'll deliver me from this giant. Put me in. And he marches out there. Goliath's offended that he even shows up. And David gave this speech to the giant. I come in the name of the Lord and he will win this battle. And everyone know that he's the God of Israel. He's going to win it. He didn't walk out and say I've got this. He didn't walk out there and say I'm big enough to do this. He walked out there and said